Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, I'm not going to ask you anything really silly, like, you know, what are the salad days that define them or something like that. That would be too too unprofessional. <laughs> that being said, I want to know what what is a salad. From when I was a kid, people have described all different kinds of things. I had a great-grandmother who described... Uh, Jello with fruit in it as a type of salad. Mm-hmm. And then there are people along the ways that think of salad as only being, you know, gigantic green, you know, what looks like a giant green wig that's somehow <laughs> moistened with something. Mm-hmm. And, and everything in between. And then you hear the various salads that have particular names or stories behind them, like a Cobb salad or a bookmaker salad or something. So what, what is the proper definition of a salad? I think you just did it. There isn't one. I mean, you know, cold food, we think, but it isn't always cold either. So, you know, it can be lettuce. It can be. But what's what's me, what's to keep me from, like, roasting a chicken and making it cold? <laughs> and calling it a salad. Do I put that on a plate and call it a salad? No, but if you added some mayonnaise salad, and celery to it <laughs> and chopped it up, you could make it a salad. Yeah, I so don't. So it's inherently something that is somehow dressed or finished, mm-hmm. but that's served cold. Yes. I don't know that... that the Jello stuff definitely. Well, that that was an interesting interpretation, I guess. Back in its, mm, there was a time in our country where that was very very popular and and thought to probably be innovative and new and fresh for people. So, I'm sure it came from a lot of the the, the traditional aspects and oh, and and, the, and those kinds of things that are that are which a bit were more complicated to make, serious and a little more savory and complicated <clears throat> to make. Well, I remember. I mean, that was another one of those things that you know I think probably most mother's maid was some sort of orange jello with pineapple and shredded carrots in it. I mean, I, I think I saw that in every home that I went to when I was growing up. So, you know, those were just things that were fun and easy for people to make. Sounds like a North Carolina memory to me. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't have that up here in Baltimore? No, we uh, had um, my grandmother's, it was always a the red jello. So I think that was strawberry. And it always had um, green things in it, like honeydew melon. Seriously, so when you cut it, (laughs) you had the marvelous contrast. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) I'm telling the truth. So on her her buffet table, you would go around, and you wouldn't want to miss out on her salad, Okay. which was this. I have to say that I don't consider that a salad. In our definition of salad, that doesn't get to be one. Sorry. So how about coleslaw? Does coleslaw fall in there? Yeah. Is that a salad? But it's a slaw. Is a, yeah, a slaw has so, to be a salad. All right. All right. Right? Yep. I mean, these, are, these are tough rules. <laughs> these are tough rules. Legislating <laughs> salad on Formula Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. This is an intelligent conversation. So, well, but, but it's a big deal because, I mean, the, here we are. The weather's changing, and people are going to want to- Have salads. Start to eat outside. Oh, yeah. And eating Me. outside means- I want to eat outside. You probably have one hot dish and a bunch of cold things or room temperature things, and you're going to call a lot of those well, things what's, salads. What's, what's the definition of antipasta? Something that comes before pasta, literally. <laughs> that's but, not a, so that's, an that's, antipasta that's, isn't always cold, or is it? It all, is, isn't it? All the various antipasti all antipasta are cold being... or room temperature. Right, yeah. And once in a while you can have something, like say a little speedino or something, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, like a little spear coming off a grill. And that could be considered a snack, but usually it has a cold dressing of some sort. Yes. Say it's a, you know, it's a, it's a capers and oil or something like that, that, that um, you know, little pork hearts or something are speared and grilled. And, but no, antipasti is literally all the little teases, all the things that come before pasta, before okay. the starch course. Well, because then there's pasta salad, and that's gold. That's, that's not really a salad either. Well, We just call things salads, that's all. Probably just because they're cold. We call things lots of things. Yeah. That's the, the various cross-cultural references are, are, are tough. But sticking to salads and the idea of salads, are there what, what groups do you think people maybe need the most help with? Is it, is it green salads? Is it composed salads? What, what, what are the groups I that we should it, put things into to help people to think about? Oh, I think you think of mayonnaise-based salads as one type, you know, whether it's chicken salad or tuna salad or potato salad, anything, you know, sort of mayonnaise-based, I'd say lettuce-based, and then maybe seafood or meat-based salads. Um, and whether or not you're going to serve something actually hot with that salad, um, you know, maybe you want to serve a piece of grilled salmon with a salad, but um, or warm chicken or hot chicken breast, grilled chicken breast with, with greens. But, you know, I think you sort of have greens, lettucey salads or mayonnaise-based People salads. People do it a thousand different ways, that's for sure. Definitely. Well, and and I think that um, also with uh, this time of the year, we are so excited about being healthy. So that's also another reason, you know, this is a time we're coming up on some of the first things that when things start to come up out of the ground, we're going to have young lettuces. Are we and excited so, about being healthy? Are we oh, starting to feel compelled to be healthy? Well, I'm not excited about being or to appear healthy. healthier. <laughs> <laughs> in any way other than, you know, truly I would healthy. like to feel I'd like to healthy. be truly healthy. I think we're talking diet yeah. healthy. And, uh, yeah, no, I don't, yeah. I don't in, know. But in, this in is a time of the year like where to... it's easier to be healthy. How about that? Eat to eat in a healthy manner. Because so many vegetables are around and available to us and well, it's, be, it's becoming that time for sure. Mm-hmm. That's once asparagus starts in uh, the end of April. Then, oh, okay. Looking then, forward to it. Then, then, then you know it's sort of time. And you always know the chefs are pushing it when you see white asparagus on things. Well, we were talking about that. And also I bought giant purple asparagus, which, of course, turns green when you cook it, which is sort of one of those, you know, disappointments when you're cooking. It's like, wait a minute, that was so pretty. And then I I wanted it to stay purple. And there it went green. But they're very good, actually. And I love the size. You know, it's it's kind of fun to plate up something with asparagus that big. Um, would suggest something hearty with it. Um, you know, maybe a roasted duck breast that's thinly sliced and and chilled. Um, I think if you're going to do something like that, it begs the question: How big is the asparagus? I mean, it's really huge. It's it's. Uh, is it like Fred Flintstone asparagus? Yeah, it's 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 pretty much. I don't know. Um, maybe the size of at least your thumb, a little bigger than your thumb. And you know, four inches long. So it's it, it, and and it's almost all edible. That's the other really nice thing about this particular product. You don't have as much loss as you do, um, which is interesting, seeing that it is so large. So I guess what well, I think what, also the other I thing when you talk about salads is is that you just you've got to make a good vinaigrette. You know, I think that's the foundation of a great green salad. Is just it's very simple, um, and just knowing how to make a wonderful, fresh, um, great vinaigrette, and you know, making it for that day for your use. Um, I'm not big on making it and storing it in the refrigerator. I mean, it's quite simple to make, so why not just make it for your use for that evening or that day? Um, or if you're you know maybe taking something to eat at work, um, you know. Make it fresh, especially if you're going to put shallots in. Uh, the shallots will become strong the next day. So, 
you know, you could always make a foundation if you're determined to make something ahead and keep it. But, uh, uh, you know, we can talk about making a basic vinaigrette. I was going to say that we should do a basic a mayonnaise, really. Since we can't come up with any proper rules. <laughs> <laughs> there are no rules when it comes <laughs> we to should, salads. We, we, we should come up with two base dressings. It does seem like things that are dressed is what, uh, mm-hmm. is what salads consist of and exactly, and exactly how you serve them or how you serve them in concert with other things. Usually you think of fresh things and usually you think of room temperature things. So there's our group. So we should come up with at least a couple of recipes for dressings. And we should at least share a couple of ideas of uh, a toss green salad with garnishes and uh, maybe a composed salad that's something that's seasonal. Easy and, to do. Yeah, exactly. So we can we can we can get that those sort of like formal building blocks of making salads done in the in the next segment. In the third segment, we're gonna have to have some kind of a chef's challenge, and that's gonna require more uh, arguing <laughs> about what salad actually is and isn't. <laughs> And okay, I can't imagine I could get you to do a salad challenge. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Are you kidding? You can't put. I love gr- salad. You can't put like poached foie gras in <laughs> yes. salad. Oh yes, you can. Oh, oh yes, oh, you can. Oh yes, you all can, right. Tony. <laughs> we can do all kinds of things with salad. So, all right. Well, when we come back on Formula Wolf on food and wine, we'll try to run through some proper tips, and then we'll have a a nice competitive chef's challenge in the last segment where Chef Cindy Wolf breaks all the borders of what healthy salads is supposed to be. <laughs> all of that and more on WYPR. Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're uh, taking a deep dive on salads today. Yeah. That sounds sort of ridiculous. It does. To the bottom of the salad bowl. <laughs> no, but that, that, that it's one of those, what exactly is a salad? What are the different types? The things to break down. There are at least some basic sort of tips that we can give or some basic recipes we can give on dressings, right? Right. So are you willing to talk about a I think we should start with a vinaigrette. It's Let's, just a good, solid yeah, vinaigrette. Why don't we start with a good, solid okay, vinaigrette? Okay, so creamy Dijon mustard, some good brand. Creamy, right? creamy Dijon mustard. Right, okay. or you could use whole grain mustard. Meaning not the whole grain stuff. Right. Whole, whole grain so, stuff's always a little sweet to me. I, I prefer, I just prefer the, yeah, I prefer the creamy Dijon. And then all you need, so let's say for four people. Let's say one teaspoon of Dijon, uh, two teaspoons of red wine vinegar. This is basic. And then... You can do 50% corn oil and 50% extra virgin olive oil, or you can do all extra virgin olive oil. Uh, you whisk the vinegar into the Dijon. Uh, you're doing this in a little bowl, preferably the bowl sitting in a little pot so it keeps it stable for you. You can even have a towel between the bowl and the pot. That keeps it even more stable. It's also a good way to make mayonnaise by hand. It's also a good way to make um, hollandaise by hand. So... Just whisk the two together, add salt and pepper to that, and then begin to drizzle in your oil. 
uh, and I would finish it with a little bit of finely chopped shallot and use freshly ground pepper, and I would use kosher salt. So obviously you can now modify that. So you could use any type of oil you were interested in. You could use any type of vinegar you were interested in to make that different, but that's a basic vinaigrette. And you could also obviously put fresh herbs in there. So you know you can alter it really quickly from that, but I, that's a good foundation, a good vinaigrette to start with. And that's a, and a pretty sharp one. Mm-hmm. That's one not for... Uh, if it's just a green salad, that's going to be a sharp dressing on a green salad. If it's something that has some fat to it that's part of what you're dressing, then that, then you may want that higher delivery. You dial up the Dijon and down the Dijon quantity. You can do based on how sharp and you can you want do four parts oil to one part vinegar, and that makes a mild dressing. So if you want to just go with that ratio and keep bear that in mind, that's pretty pretty calm. So, the you know, the Dijon adds a little bit of heat and interest and acid, of course, and um, obviously flavor. And uh, you just want to work with good products. I mean, in the end, you want an olive oil that you feel is the right flavor profile for whatever you're working with. As you say, you know, you're talking about how strong, how acidic something is or how rich and wonderful or how spicy and hot the olive oil is. I mean, I could, you can put eight olive oil, extra virgin olive oils on the table from different parts of the world or even from the same country, and they're all going to taste different. Um, so invariably, um, you want to really taste your oils and figure out and and I would have a couple of di- you know if you if you're actually working with olive oil a lot, um, I would have two to three to different types at one time in my home kitchen. So the res- the result for this sort of basic vinaigrette is something that's whisked in well, but it will separate as time goes along. As time goes along, it shouldn't actually. I mean, if you make it for today, it should be fine. Um, if you whisk the Dijon into the red wine vinegar and you drizzle in the oil into that, it will not. It should not separate. Slowly, and, you, and you're whipping it pretty rapidly as you yeah, go. Yeah, you, if you're moving along and you do that properly, it will not separate. Now, if you don't put the Dijon in there, it's going to separate. <clears throat> the Dijon will hold it together. Must, the mustard will hold it together. From making mayonnaise, or what people prefer to call uh, aioli all the time now. Aioli? It's mm-hmm. funny. I heard someone the other day say that they're 80% more likely to, co- to order something that had aioli on it than they, did to, than they were to order something that had mayonnaise on it. Oops. <laughs> uh huh. So aioli is, <coughs> Which is 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 mayonnaise made with garlic, a true right, and made with oil. Yeah, it's mayonnaise ending in a vowel. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, made with olive oil, typically. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it's it is that's a mayonnaise with a, and a lot of people with a lot of garlic and in restaurants call aioli other you know they don't actually. St- Describe it correctly or make it. You know, if you're going to say it's aioli, that's what it is. Yeah, it's a very garlicky mayonnaise that has a lot of egg yolk to it and strong olive oil. Right, right. It's but if you're going to make a mayonnaise-based, a mayonnaise-style dressing, what and does I w- that mean? I would use corn oil to make a regular mayonnaise, first of all. So then you, so uh, again, ma- can make your decisions on, well, actually, I don't want corn oil in there. I do want olive oil in there, or I want a percentage of olive oil. In. Let's talk about how you make it neutral. Neutral is corn oil. And, and then we can talk about flavoring it. All right. So one egg yolk can actually hold up to a cup of fat, which is really pushing it. And you're not going to do that. But just so you know, you can have that ratio in your head. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of fat for one egg yolk, but it can do it. So you And it's best to work with an egg yolk that's at room temperature, not cold. Um, and, you know, I really do mean room temperature. I don't mean an egg that's been sitting out for two days. So... Mm-hmm. And obviously you want a really fresh egg and one that you trust, right? So you have an egg yolk. 
Um, you're going to use lemon juice, again kosher salt, and corn oil. And um, so, so what's in what's in your bowl to start with is the egg yolk, and yeah. then whisk in a little bit of lemon juice, just a touch. The egg yolk, and not the little attachment to the egg yolk that attaches it to the white, right? No, definitely not. Just the yolk, cleanly. And also, you know, if you're if you want to make a large batch. Um, Anytime I work with eggs, I always break the new egg in a separate bowl because you never know when you might have an egg that has a problem. Um, and uh, so that way you won't ruin the rest of the eggs that you've just cracked open. So if you do multiples, you just crack each one all their own. In a special, it in. Yeah, in a separate bowl. Um, and that's that's a good uh, hint for pastry as well, you know, to, because that's when you obviously use large amounts of eggs. Um, and you certainly don't want to have a dozen eggs in a bowl and find a, you know, a bloodied one or whatever um, and, uh, and ruin the rest. So anyway, so you have your egg yolk in the bowl, whisk in a little bit of, and you know, now we can talk about whisks just briefly. Um, I would use a, a small whisk, um, something that's comfortable in your hand. You don't need a super long, crazy whisk for this. Um, and um, This is not a balloon. It's not Teflon coated. It's not flat. It's not weird. It's just a regular old whisk. And um, you do want it to be flexible, though. I do. I suggest it's flexible. If you have a firm whisk, it's not going to be as fun to do. And um, so the again, we get back to the egg yolk, the lemon juice, add the salt, the freshly ground black pepper, and then you just very slowly, and I usually put my, if I have a large, well, maybe it's because we're used to using large containers. I mean, we buy corn oil in 35-pound containers. Um, so we always put it in something smaller. We keep a two-gallon on the countertop, and then if I'm at home, I have it in some sort of a pourable perhaps, container. Perhaps someone else is going to have this, say, two-thirds or three-quarters of a measuring cup. Exactly. That they're so very I think slowly really drizzling nice. into the whisking Right. And I just bought, yolk. since I just redesigned my, or just did a new home kitchen, I, I kind of treated myself and bought a couple of ceramic bottles with pour spouts. And um, I've never had that, mostly because I want to leave them out on the table because I don't have any cabinets in my kitchen. So everything's exposed. And um, I really appreciate having that actually at home. Um, but if you don't have one of those, yeah, use a measuring cup, um, a plastic measuring cup, pourable measuring cup is a really nice way to get that oil. In. And just, just be very careful because you have to have... You have to have enough acid um, for to make it interesting on the palate, and you have to have enough acid to make the emulsion work. And you have to work slowly. You have to whisk quickly, and pour slowly. So that's your that's your method: whisk quickly, pour the oil slowly. You are a couple minutes getting it done, but the effort's worth it, and you're going to make great mayonnaise. And um, I'm sure you will really enjoy it having that fresh mayonnaise. I know one of the things my sister. Um, always asks me to make now because when I go to her house I you know I just often will just cook what she has a huge pantry and at my house I have almost nothing in my kitchen if I'm cooking I go buy it um, almost invariably I may have some basics uh, like olive oils and things but um, she has a huge pantry and she had pomegranate vinegar and we it was Thanksgiving and we had to make uh, uh, something with the the turkey for the next day and I made pomegranate mayonnaise and they all, now they ask me for it Did every year. Turkey sandwiches with pomegranate mayonnaise. No, we had turkey salad with oh. pomegranate. Uh-huh. Sorry, it's it, the male thing kicking in, turning everything into a sandwich. <laughs> I know this is a salad program and I still can't control my need to put Make everything between two it. pieces of bread. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's mayonnaise. And then you can, again, just like the vinaigrette, you can alter it however you want. You know, you can add fresh herbs to that mayonnaise. You can use lime instead of lemon. You can use vinegar instead of 
uh, lemon you can use, you know, and again, that's where the pomegranate vinegar comes in to make that mayonnaise. And again, you can use all different types of oils. So it's just wonderful to know how to make a basic thing and then upon which you can have your fun and change for your own needs. I was thinking about the incredibly healthful dish that you did, which were teeny tiny French fries. <laughs> Which you would nothing think that I never salad. made anything healthy, according to you. <clears throat> no. Okay. But, so teeny tiny French fries. Yeah. Pommes frites. It was yes. for it was for a lamb dish. It was just grilled lamb. Grilled lamb tenderloin. And these little tiny pommes frites. Mm-hmm. And you did a a, a mayonnaise curried with, mayonnaise yeah, with madras curry. <gasps> oh, was, I love. It's so great. good. Yeah. The bite. So of you would the, follow the exact same, like. I'm, it's one of those, like, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, cut your own French fries, fry your own French fries. <laughs> make this mayonnaise. Make them fresh. Make the darn mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, and it's just the recipe that she just curry gave. Is with a little so bit of madras curry at the end. Yeah. Whip it in. You're right. Maybe a tiny bit extra lemon juice, mm. and you're done. Mm. And, uh, and grill some lamb. If you happen to, yeah. And again, this is... Oh, Lord. That's so good. How could you make that a salad? I guess you could slice the lamb and lay it out <laughs> on dandelion greens or something and have the delicate Rocket garnish... Would, have, Rocket would be good. Have the delicate garnish of the giant basket of the French fries. Grilled, yeah, grilled, <laughs> grilled radicchio or trevizo would be good with that. Well, but that also, I mean, that curry mayonnaise Spanish is also nice for the grilled lamb. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you could you could certainly have that with a salad. Yeah. That's. It seems like... I don't know. I, I, my instinct is a very American instinct in the situation, trying to take every salad and make it as, I want to call it a salad. I just want it to be as unhealthy as I can possibly make it. <laughs> All I can think of is our Cobb salads or the bookmaker's salad, which is a, you know, which is a Baltimore thing. Yeah. That's a, I remember when we went and had that when we first moved. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Good it's salad. Terrifying. Great. That's fun to eat. Well, it's oh, and a, I think that's another that is very American. You, if, we we it, like a lot of ingredients on our salad. I mean, it's like the the salad bar has been uh, you know, <laughs> pretty popular since the 1970s and um we well, like to put a lot of ingredients on. You know, the origin of sushi, you know, is for gamblers, right? It was food that they could just grab. It was instant food. Hmm. Think about it. Like sure. you got cards in one hand, you have chopsticks in the other hand, boom. Okay. Grab that sushi. Dip it in soy sauce or whatever, but it's a whole one-handed operation, and you can put those chopsticks down, maneuver your cards, place your bets, do whatever, right? Sounds good. Bookmaker salad is like that late night. Nothing's cooked. Everything is tossed in there. I mean, salami and peppers and, you know, who knows what else, Mm -hmm. and that ridiculous dressing, you know, which is a mayonnaise Mm -hmm. with lots of Parmigiano and black pepper in it, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you just... Eat forkfuls of that stuff. That's all. It's a big chop salad, is what it is, with shrimp and you know basically every cold thing in the kitchen, and some little Italian restaurants going in there. Well, when you when you say that, that immediately brings to mind Caesar salad, which is sort of where that came from too. Which was you know supposedly the story is the chef was running low on ingredients, had a busy night, and just kind of threw together this Caesar salad. And I mean, gosh, how many people love that salad? That's one of the most popular salads probably ever made. And that's a mayonnaise-based dressing. Well, you want to give the world your uh, your Caesar salad dressing? Oh, well, see, I put basil in mine, um, Ooh, which is very- you could go to jail for that. Yeah, very unusual. <laughs> and I love basil it's in really Caesar good. dressing. Yeah, so I put fresh dress- basil the, in, the, the and I do make good. it in a- This I make in a blender uh, because I put the basil in. So, And a high-speed blender is your friend with this. So we officially title this 
Cindy's blender cheater non-Caesar Caesar dressing. Yeah, because okay. typically Caesar dressing is made in a wooden bowl where you crush the garlic into the bowl and work that's, it into the bowl. Yeah, that's, and, that's what I was taught. And we did that in culinary school. Oh my gosh, when we were in the Italian kitchen in school. <gasps> uh, so to make, you know, I think the, the whole thing with Caesar dressing is putting pureeing Reggiano You know, and forget my basil part. Um, You may puree basil into there if you want to try it. But you you do the egg. You you put the lemon juice in. You put the garlic in. You blend. And you drizzle in. Raw garlic? Yes. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, I don't, actually. I I, I almost, I rarely work with raw garlic. Um, So I I have butter poached it before, but I think in this case you want raw garlic. Um, Again, corn oil and um, uh, salt and pepper. It's got to have a good amount of pepper. It's got to have a good amount of Reggiano or some sort of grated cheese like that. And and you can, again, use a little bit of olive oil if you want. And back in the back in the day when Anderson Smith was teaching me how to do all these things table side, mm-hmm. and he learned just mm-hmm. after the war, you take your big wooden salad bowl mm-hmm. and you rub the whole thing down with garlic. You crush it with a spoon and rub the whole thing down with the garlic. Then rub the whole thing down with an anchovy. And then you pour oil on the whole thing, and then you start to make the dressing in the bowl. Yeah. Once the, once the bowl has been Seriously seasoned. good. Yeah. Mm, yum. Yeah, since I have a... Seriously violent anchovy allergy. That was always a... Uh, well, you couldn't taste it then, I guess. Like playing with fire. Well, I did once. Oh, boy. That's, is that when you found out when you were making that, or did you that find was, out? It was one of the I times. I guess so. I mean... It's one of the times. I'm not that why smart. Why would you repeat I've, that? I've, well, yeah, like I said, <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, romaine is a nice, sweet lettuce So and crunchy. So it's just like the most pleasing of salads. Yeah. And you put, a, as you say, you put a little anchovy on its garnish and maybe a little bit of shaved Reggiano extra and... You've got a beautiful salad. Let's do one minute on salad greens. How mm-hmm. do you choose salad greens? Well, I think I think also, you know, you think sort of a lot of them are bitter in, in a good way or hot in a good way, spicy, radishy, horseradishy, hot. Um, and some are sweet and some are tender and some are crispy. So I think, you know, really you want – typically you would probably want a combination of those things um, if you can. And um, Sometimes or, people get scared by the stronger ones like – Rocket, arugula, or dandelion, or or radicchio, or radicchio, treviso, these kinds of things. Yeah. But those those bitter flavors, if a dressing is a little bit sweet, or you have sweet elements in the in the in your tossed salad, that's pretty fun. It just gives you balance. It gives you balance. If and, it's all sweet lettuces, it's kind of dull, right? And interest, exactly. And um, I mean, I can sit down and eat a happily eat a bowl of romaine because it's just a great lettuce, and and I love bib lettuce too. But yeah, it's just more Which fun. Which is another sweet lettuce, Boston, right. Boston lettuce, bib lettuce. Oh God, I love all the Boston different kinds bib. of leaf lettuce. Yeah, and Boston bib has that wonderful sort of body structure that, and it's also beautiful. You know, it goes from white to pale green to dark green, and it's a beautiful lettuce. The hydro bib is very different. It's very tender and has less variation in color and is a little bit more, you know, I mean, it's good lettuce, but it's more neutral. To, um, me, to me, my affection level has everything to do with how long they've been out of the ground. Of because course. Because what you, what, sure. what, what you notice, what you taste is how much, honestly, how much water they're holding and how much chlorophyll they actually, like, are they bursting with yeah, their flavor? I'm very anxious to grow lettuces this year and, and to have that experience of literally walking out. And I mean, you know, obviously we can get them locally and, and they're beautifully, uh, freshly picked as well. But to literally walk out into the yard and 
just pick some lettuce and make a salad. I'm super excited about it. You're going to walk out in the yard and you're going to see the Easter Bunny will have just eaten all of your lettuce. I know. I can't believe I and saw the Easter Bunny. go hopping down your hill. I saw him this morning in my yard, <laughs> the Easter Bunny, and I'm like, no, don't even just go He's just He's just scouting. Just he's go just scouting. over there. Yeah, don't even look at those raised beds over there. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine, it'll be a bit more of a salad showdown, uh, a chef's challenge mm-hmm. on on salads. All of that and more, and the strange uh, job of pairing wine with salad. Not an easy one, I'm no. sure. On WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. Well, we should get down to the business of uh, actually proposing a couple of salads. <laughs> Making to, some salads. Yeah, right. we talked through a couple of vinaigrettes. We talked about what salads are not. Right. And what terrifying things were called salads at various times in our history. Um, why don't we propose a nice seasonal composed salad? What, is, what does composed salad mean to you? Something that's laid out on the plate that's not just tossed and and put in a bowl, but something that has components that um, make it balanced, uh, that look beautiful, and take some knife work, basically. It's also kind of intended to be a a meal, more or less. Maybe a lighter meal, but intended to be a meal or or usually a cold and mostly cold meal, right? So it could be for uh, when all the ladies come to your house to play canasta, it could be for luncheon, right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Something like that, right? Well, so if it was nineteen twenty-two, I'm picking. Perhaps. Yeah, I'm I'm picking lobster for my salad. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So you go pick that lobster. I am. So I'm going to uh, boil my lobster for, say, a one one and a half pound lobster for about six to seven minutes, and then I'm going to pull the tail, the claws, and the knuckle meat out. <clears throat> and then I'll use however many lobsters I'm doing. I'll use the shells and the bodies to make stock later. And I like I like the idea of leaving the tail as a whole. Gro- we call it a gross piece, um, and uh, but slicing it and leaving it looking like it's one whole piece, and then making a very pretty mayonnaise with tarragon, lime juice, a little bit of jalapeno pepper, and using corn oil and the egg yolk and salt and pepper. And I think with this, um, we sort of say drop and drag uh, in in our plate-ups. You literally just drop a spoon of the mayonnaise onto the plate, and that spoon, you sort of drag it and make an arc on the plate. It's a nice way to plate with a mayonnaise like that. Um, or you could just you could just pipe it onto the plate. Um, uh, but you want to get it on the plate so that the the, the person eating it can kind of decide how much of that mayonnaise they want to be involved with. And then do uh, uh, slices of uh, very finely sliced fennel um, and raw, raw fennel. So if you have uh, a very fine mandolin, sharp blade, just very fine, like paper thin, slice the uh, fennel, uh, lay it in a nest next to the lobster put a little bit of mosh on the plate, which is a very tender sweet lettuce, a little bit of frisée, which is one that tends to be a little bit 
well, it's crunchy, first of all. It's pretty. It's white and pale green, tends towards yellow in the center. Um, and that has a little bit of a, a spiciness to it um, or tartness to it. And that gives some balance between the tender lettuce and the, the mosh and the frisee um, and make a little, um, you could even mold it on the plate have the fennel kind of cascading from the top of that next to your lobster. You have your mayonnaise dropped and dragged onto the plate. And I would probably make an oil out of jalapeno as well, just for fun, just to do something sort of bright and fresh and fun. And that also is something that will make the plate beautiful. Carry a little <clears throat> bit of spice. Carry a little bit of spice, exactly. Um, when I make the oil, I simply bring corn, a little bit of corn oil up to a boil and I um, chop the jalapeno. I do use the seeds. Uh, you could choose not to if you don't want it to be too spicy. Um, drop it in that hot oil, turn the oil off, let it sit for about four minutes, and then I puree it in a high-speed blender and pass it. Um, you can either choose to not uh, pass it through a sieve or you can pass it through a sieve. It comes out very differently either way. Either way, it's beautiful. Um, and um, you put that in a squirter bottle. So, you know, to do a composed plate, there are a couple of tools that you want to have to make it prettier. And, you know, the squirter bottles are very inexpensive. So, and it's something you can use over and over again for something else. Um, and just paint the plate with that. And um, I think that that's pretty fresh, pretty solid. And definitely one for lunch, especially if you're playing canasta. A question, of, exactly. A question about. <laughs> or dominoes or, a, a, or bridge. Yes. A question about preparation. The lobsters kind of thing you could easily do a day ahead? I wouldn't just because it's seafood, but yes, you could. I mean, you could, absolutely. Or I mean, you, there's nothing you, wrong with doing it. You cook them in the I morning just, and you chill them. And yeah, then I just you, like things to be, uh, with seafood to be absolutely fresh and of the moment. But yes, you could. I, I, I would. I would make it that morning and it's done. It's in the refrigerator. It's it's sitting there happy. And then you just put it together. Exactly. And it's not it's easy and it's easy to put together. You know, you can make everything ahead. You have have your greens washed, rinsed, you know, dry in the in the refrigerator. I almost said the walk in. Um, and your mayonnaise in your squirter bottle or however you're going to, if you're going to put in a little bowl, if you're going to drop and drag it on the plate and your oil in, and your oil you don't need to refrigerate. So you, if you made it that day, just let it sit down on the counter and, and um But easy to have ready to go that way. Oh, yeah, definitely chill your plates. That's just one of the things, you know, anytime you're, you're, you're working with food, if your food is cold, chill your plates. If your food is hot, heat your plates a little bit before you plate on them. It goes a long way to keeping food at the proper temperature well, while temperature you're eating you it. it. Be, yeah, yeah, it's not something you you know we just do in a restaurant. It's it's really something you should do at home too. Yeah. Or you can just put the plates on the back of your stove if if you want warm plates. And then all you have to do when it's time for canastas to pour the <laughs> pour the glass of rosé or pour the glass of uh, Is that what you would drink with it? A pretty a pretty plump rosé would be pretty nice. You know, maybe one of the one of the pinot rosés from Sancerre. Um they usually get released a little bit later, so what it, be, it would be a 14, not a 15. That you that you'd want, but yeah, I would drink a Pinot Noir Rosé from Sancerre. Well, and you know, with that salad, you can really change it. I mean, with lobster, so many things go with lobster, and um, and you know, maybe you use crab meat or maybe you use shrimp instead. Um, you, you or or you use. Uh, any kind of shellfish like that, um, scallops. Um, you can build a beautiful salad around and really make it a a meal. Um, and uh, I think once we do get tomatoes in, having some sort of tomato that you mandir, which is 
um, the idea of taking a whole tomato, putting a little X on the bottom of the tomato um, with a sharp pointed knife and having a pot of boiling water and just dropping that tomato in there for about 20 to 30 seconds, um, depending on how big and, and how ripe the tomato is, and shocking it in ice water. What that allows you to do is to remove the skin very easily. And the skin isn't the most desirable part of the tomato, so it is it is really nice and elegant to have the skin removed. Um, and um, you could hollow that tomato out, uh, let it drain a tiny bit, and um, you know maybe crush some garlic, uh, a little bit of basil um, and oil, uh, salt and kosher, kosher salt and black pepper and a mortar and pestle and and basically uh, and, and a flat flat leaf Italian parsley and just put that in the center of the tomato. Dress it with a little bit of extra virgin olive oil and you could either have crab meat in there with that coming out of the top of that or if you're serving it with a lobster just sit that on the plate with a lobster. You could do that by itself and put goat cheese in it and have a, that with a green salad. I could go on and on about salads. I mean, I just, I love to make cold food. Cold food is one of those things that when, as a chef, you're so used to working with hot food and you have to move so quickly when you're serving hot food to guests, whether you're at home or well, you, you get a the chance to be a little more thoughtful. You do. I mean, with cold food, you, you get that extra moment because it's cold to really work with it. And that's why cold food is usually so beautiful. And, and, you know, back in, you know, you talk about even in the, the turn of the century or in, into the mid fifties, I mean, they were still doing so much beautiful work with, uh, well, it's called garmage with, with cold food, um, and and could be very complicated, um, but yeah, and you know, turning things or or tourneying things. Well, it's or not whatever. just, but it's, it's not just look. It's also aroma. I mean, that's something that you're you're working with things in different ways, and you're trying to express freshness, maybe instead of something savoriness or something's fruitiness. Or I know. Um, yeah, you no that, longer have that effort I, of long cooking and trying I, to get great flavor. A salad that that was done in in a in a restaurant that I had come up with was a Manchego Manzana hmm. and the apple and Manchego cheese salad. Love that salad. But the second version of it was purely me being sort of annoyed that it wasn't it didn't smell great. It wasn't that hmm. interesting when you smelled it. So um to finish that it was cuz it was just it was a simple thing. It was just batane of of uh, three month Manchego and fresh green apple. Usually the first green apples of the year, you know, that Rambos, or or you know, you'd even even do it into Granny Smith season. But as long as green apples are in season, you do the dish. And Marcona almonds that have been toasted, and salted, and some fresh dates, chopped very fine. Gosh, I love dates. All Yum. all of that tossed, and when it's funny, you get a little tiny bit of, if you get a little tiny bit of dressing, just a sherry vinaigrette, very very simple, just a simple vinaigrette you were talking about, with a little bit of shallot, no Dijon mustard. Um, but aged sherry vinegar that has a little bit of sweetness from being in cask. All of that tossed, the juice from the apple starts to come out and mm-hmm. and affect that. And then the last thing you do is you take and, and cut in chiffonade, mint leaves and basil leaves, lots and lots of them, and you roll them together. And when you roll them together and you slice them in chiffonade, the oils would all release together. And you toss that in the bowl and toss that with everything, and it's like there's this amazing perfume from the mint and the basil, the sweetness and the anise flavor, you know, or what are, or what is being expressed. And that, when you put that on a plate, it was it was kind of crazy how the little balsamic aroma of the the vinegar would come across, and the brightness of the apple would come across, and the herbs would come across. 
and people were always a little shocked by the punctuation of the the almond or the the date. But the aromas were always what was driving when that arrived at a table because it was a pretty simple tossed, pretty simple tossed thing in a bowl. It's a good salad. So, Tony, how do you pair wines with salads? It's not so easy. <laughs> um, it depends upon the salad itself and, and exactly the, how sharply it's dressed. The vinegar is the problem? Is that? Yeah. Vin- vinegar t- can tend to, to be a acid. pretty good issue because that's what spoils wine. So it's not so nice to have a really nice glass of wine and have a big sip in your mouth and have a bite of a salad, and that's, you know, that, that's the issue. If the wine has good acidity, meaning sharp acidity, you're probably going to be more successful with it. If the salad actually has something, if it's about something other than greens and a dressing, you know, if there's if there's fat to it, if it's um, if it's a salad where it's you know potatoes involved, if it's something, it, there has to be something for the the wine to hold on to in order sure. to to act with it. Mm-hmm. Things that have a tremendous amount of tannin uh, are not going to be that successful. Things that are super duper super duper crazy fruity are not going to be that successful. A little bit fruity, very good acidity, usually your best bets with with most salads. Think about that, that, that your canasta lunch that you were proposing with the lobster salad and the nice Pinot Noir Rosé. That's kind of like a very good sweet spot to land in. Okay. So you have to be a little bit careful. I think that's really my, my best advice. So we should do the challenge. Okay. There you go. You go first. Whoa. I never go first. Okay. You gave me a lot of stuff. No, oh, great. That's why you're going first. All the traditional <laughs> salad ingredients like octopus and foie gras <laughs> and mango and papaya and jalapeno. Tapioca, of course. Treviso. Spanish extra virgin olive oil, garlic. Italian flat leaf parsley. Fourth floor, basil, red wine vinegar, shallots. Fifth floor, mustard, mustard greens, <laughs> watercress. Basement, coconut, romaine. This is all in one salad, huh? Or two. Whatever you want. Oh, it doesn't have to yeah. be one thing. Boy, you had a fun well, time. Well, no, that doesn't. That's not supposed to be one thing. Well, then. salads. Okay. Well, I think it's probably, let's let's make it two dishes. The, uh, the foie gras, uh, actually, I'm going to want to poach. I'm going to want to poach the foie gras in a little bit of sweet wine that I hope that I have somewhere. Um, could be Sauternes, could be Moscatella from the south of Spain, let's say. And I want to serve that poached foie gras with a toasted coconut and and some sweet pickled shallots and uh, the tapioca. <laughs> yes, I said tapioca. <laughs> I threw that in there just for fun. I just think texturally it's going to be pretty interesting. And, and uh, how are you going to? What are you going to do to the tapioca? I'm just going to cook it and get it kind of creamy, you know. But then you have that, the little burst of texture to that. The poached foie gras is going to be really, really silky and have a certain inherent sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the toasted coconut, it's going to be its own ridiculous little garnish to the, the caramelized flavor of that with the foie gras will be interesting. And I think we'll carry through with the, with the tapioca. And I, and I remove the pickled shallots. I think those three things are the right dish. Um, let's see, because then we have octopus and fruits. I mean, the octopus is an easy one to 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 poach and then grill, and want to serve with all of these greens. I mean, that's kind of a 
you do it you, you do a giant salad and I would, I would grill the chorizo as well to get some sweetness out of that Maybe even grill the mango. I think that could work. Papaya is just flat out too sweet, and there's not enough strength of flavor. Papaya might just be what I eat while I'm cooking all this stuff. Um, but the mango, mango could be an interesting accent. Do you give me anything spicy? Jalapeno. Jalapeno, yeah. The jalapeno and grilled mango as a as a vinaigrette to dress the octopus and grilled treviso. The grilled octopus, grilled treviso with the uh, salad composed with the watercress and the romaine and the mustard greens. All the traditional sort of salad dressing things like the rabbi, rabbi vinegar I would use in that. Olive oil I would use in that. Parsley I don't have particular use for. Basil could be part of the garnish for that. Mustard greens I think would be probably too much in the salad. Too sharp. Maybe just a little bit. But I think you have two dishes that are sort of oddly connected, and wow, you gave me the most diverse stuff. And neither one, I'm not dying for garlic in either dish, really, necessarily. Okay. Awesome. So that's that's where I am. And here, you're, you're much more civilized. <laughs> Challenge is here. <clears throat> okay, so I have ripe pears, dandelion greens, fingerling potatoes, sweet peppers. What are sweet peppers? Whichever sweet peppers you want. Chicken livers, sweet breads. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> Breadcrumbs, extra virgin olive oil, walnut oil, walnuts, garlic, white vinegar. Okay. So I'm going to um, poach and grill the sweetbreads. And I'm going to fry the chicken livers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what we call a southern, um, oh, what's that salad from uh, the place in Chateauneuf? What does he call it? Um, it's the vigneron salad. Yeah, exactly. So this is my southern version of a exactly. vigneron salad. Um, so grilled veal sweetbreads. Um, the chicken livers go into buttermilk, get marinated for a couple of hours. Well, they get washed first, then they get marinated in buttermilk, and then they go into cornmeal, all-purpose flour, a little bit of cayenne, and salt, and they are fried. And um, this is not exactly a light salad. Um, I'm trying to go right up your alley. And I'm going to dress. Where are my greens? dandelion greens. I'm going to dress the dandelion greens with the walnut oil. I'm going to crush um, the walnuts and I'm going to uh, finely chop the garlic and add that. Actually, I'm going to add those things to the walnut oil with the white wine vinegar and make your dressing. So let's let's back that up. Walnut oil, crushed walnuts, chopped garlic, white vinegar, um, and you can we can do 50-50, the extra virgin olive oil and the walnut oil. So that's the dressing. The breadcrumbs, um, I'm going to pretend that's French bread that I have diced into a brunoise and have tossed in a little bit of butter and made brown. That's going to go um, around. And this is one really heavy salad. The sweet peppers uh, and the ripe pears and the fingling potatoes. So with the sweet peppers... Uh, I'll just add that to the salad, M- maybe a julienne. Yeah, the, the chicken livers and the sweetbreads can certainly take the strength of flavor of the peppers. Yeah, and the pears actually will lighten things up and give a little bit of, again, sweetness, as you just said. So I think with the pears, I'll think I'll peel them, uh, slice them, and julienne those as well and add that to the greens. Actually, the pears, the peppers, and the dandelions, greens will be really good. I'm just not using those fingling potatoes because I have a heavy, a heavy salad here, but actually that's one salad. Sounds good. Good. I like that. I would eat that. I've been missing fried chicken livers. <laughs> and fried chicken livers and uh, dandelion greens is something other. Mm. Oh, perfect together. Yep. Gosh, you know, dandelion greens are pretty strong. And 
obviously so are chicken livers, so they're kind of a match made in heaven. Well, I don't know what I would drink with that besides a great big beer. (laughs) All right. And we didn't exactly get to wine with salad, but we're out of time. Uh, That's all we really have time for on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And if you want to download this program or any of our other programs from the past, go to WYPR's website and uh, look for the podcasts. If you want to reach Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Chef Cindy Wolf or on Instagram at Chef Wolf. Feel free to email us. Uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like at foremanwolf at wypr.org. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday.